don't know the power of the dark side. I'm not a baby, I'm a man. I am an anchor man. Is this a kissing book? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello, welcome along to Just Like in the Movies, brought to you by gkmedia.ie. It is episode six of series six, and we are looking at News of the World, currently on Netflix at the moment, starring Tom Hanks. We're also looking at All Creatures Great and Small, which is on RTE at the moment. And we will be looking at the animation disenchantment. But first up, speaking of animation, I see Disney Plus are releasing Rhea and The Last Dragon on their streaming platform with premier access for only twenty one ninety nine. Bargain. <laughs> I'm at the edge of my seat. How is this going to work in the future? This whole thing of every time something ends up on a streaming platform, you still got to pay more than probably twice the price of a cinema ticket. Now, I know in Dublin, they pay silly money for a cinema ticket as opposed to the west of Ireland. But... I don't know. You're paying for the subscription and you're paying another premium price to watch a movie that has anyone actually heard of? Nope. Never heard of it. Anyways, let's move on to something that hopefully people have heard of because it's been on the go for the last four years or so. It's Disenchantment, currently streaming on Netflix. Dave Coyne, we are on season four, is it? Season three, I think it is. Season three. Season four is to come. Sorry. So you were the one who recommended us to watch this. Why? Um, well, because we hadn't discussed it. Um, it kind of, when it arrived back in what, 2018, I think it was when it arrived. Um, it kind of, nobody really noticed it. Nobody talked about it. We never talked about it in the show here. We never reviewed it. And obviously, you know, it's slim pickings these days. We don't have cinemas to go to. So I said, here, we never did this. And, uh, it appeared in my, my Netflix feed recommendation then because I watched the first two seasons, I think, or perhaps three. I can't remember. You know, you get lost in the quagmire of episodes and seasons and whatever. But um, I just thought we'd flag it because I'm a huge Simpsons fan, as you know. Anybody who knows me will know that probably 80% of the GIFs that I use on uh, Snapchat, on, I don't use Snapchat, but on, you know, Messenger or WhatsApp are Simpsons GIFs because I'm a Simpsons mm. head. And this is the brainchild of Matt Groening. So I thought, yeah, let's give him a shot. Man knows what he's doing. So what is it about? Well, in terms of the animation, it's you'd, you'd look at it if you didn't know. You'd look at it and go, okay, this is very similar to The Simpsons in terms of the drawing style and everything and the animation style. But it's basically, um, it's set in a place called Dreamland or it's Neverland or something like that. Dreamland, I think it is. And it's uh, it follows the adventures of this um, this character called Princess Tia Bini or Bean. Princess, you know, her friends call her Bean. Uh, Princess Tia Bini, uh, who's played by Abby Jacobson. Never heard of her. Never heard of anybody really, um, and it's you know it's a it's she's got a side sidekick elf called Elfo, a very imaginative name Elfo, and he's kind of a it's, and then there's a a, a demon uh, what do they call the demon Lucy as in Lucifer he's a little black demon, and these are the three kind of buddies that go through this crazy world of monsters goblins dragons craziness and. Um, it's daft. It's crazy. Is it trying to tap into the the audience of the 90s who loved The Simpsons and say, look, here's a more kind of adult animation for I you? I think it's trying to tap into that audience somewhat, but more so the audience of Futurama because it's more in the vein of Futurama than it is in The Simpsons because The Simpsons is episodic. The end of each episode, it all resets back to Homer sitting on the couch. Whereas Futurama, you know, characters evolved 
like Fry and Leela in, in Futurama. They started off never knowing each other and they ended up at the end of the season series, um, uh, you know, getting married and stuff. You know, they go through this, you know, there's an arc over, over spanning over many, many episodes. And this is the same, like there's plot points that span over many, many episodes. So I think they're kind of thought, right, we'll tap into the Futurama types uh, because it's kind of in the same vein as that, I would say. Lisa? <laughs> Lisa, I don't know how to kind of link to you here because um, <laughs> we, we kind of knew, didn't we, that this wasn't going to be your cup of tea? No, we did know that for quite some time. <laughs> okay, so I didn't hate it, but yes. I just watched the one episode and just went with, okay, I've watched one episode that's grand. That's all I need to watch because I don't need to watch the rest of it. It's not for me. I, I like. I love The Simpsons. Like I grew up watching The Simpsons, and I just think they're great. And I liked Futurama a little bit. I didn't watch all of it. I watched it years and years ago. But uh, this, I couldn't really get into. I laughed maybe twice, and I felt like the episode. I know it was the pilot episode, and it was like nearly forty minutes long, but. It was it was all right. It wasn't like, oh wow, I can't wait to see what happens in the rest of this this schmazzle of a demons, elves, princesses. Oh no, not for me. Sorry, I'm such a meanie pants. Sorry. What did you not really like about it? Um, well, there was no characters that were like redeeming. Like, I didn't like that princess. First of all, didn't like her at all. Um. Uh, didn't like the elf because you know he's there's nothing much to him, and then the only interesting one was the demon. He was he was kind of interesting. He had a bit of a schmock about him, but um, that was it. It's just uh, no, there was too much in it. There was like it's it's too fantasy. I I kind of like. I mean, I know The Simpsons is not reality, but it's a bit more realistic than this, and I kind of prefer that. So, Dave, was it the cup of tea you expected? Yes and no. I mean, I, I understand, like, obviously, you know, uh, Lisa is not a big proponent of fantasy genre, you know, at the best of times. She's not, she doesn't like, not into dragons, whether they're CGI or cartoon or, you know, that's not her genre. Um, no, nor is it my genre, to be honest, of, of choice. But I think, I, I mean, I love The Simpsons. Like, I bleed for The Simpsons. <laughs> and I actually love Futurama also. So when I went into this, I thought, oh, this is this is just going to be made for me. And Lisa is correct. It is a bit of a slog, the first episode. I think they tried to pack too much into it. I mean, The Simpsons, for example, started off very, very simple and grew, as did Futurama. It's like, this is a dude. He's frozen for a thousand years. He's a fish out of water. Let's have fun with that. Then it grew after, you know, um, after a season. Then it grew into the more complicated world and new characters and Zap Brannigan and all the rest of it. This one just kind of just straight in. It's over. It, it's just trying to cram through too many things and too many characters through the, the door of the viewer's mind at one go. And they don't all manage to get through and there's no cohesion. So it is a bit of a damn squib. Having said that, I kind of forced myself to watch it because I love Futurama and I watched it and I got into it a bit. And then it got to the end of, I think, I think season two. This is more of it. I don't even know what season I finished on. I was like, I think I got to the end of season two and I think I know what happened. And then it was like disappeared for a year. And I didn't, I wasn't chomping at the bit for the next one. So when it appeared the other day, I was like, oh, wow, there's more of that. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I mentioned to you guys and that's why I'm watching it. But I'm not chomping at the bit to watch more because it's kind of running out of steam. It's like, yeah, enough already. I don't remember who's who or what happened or 
Do you know what I mean? Whereas The Simpsons have been part of my life since 1989. Uh, I probably know them better than I know my sister, for crying out loud. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, it's it's it was a little bit of a damn squib. And, the, and season three, I think, is the one I'm on. It's just a bit flat for me, personally. Do you still watch The Simpsons? Religiously. <laughs> like, and Futurama. Like on a weekly basis, you'd still watch the, the new episodes? On a daily basis. No, the new no. episodes, no, no, no. Like... My favorite episode of The Simpsons is Boy Scouts in the Hood, and I could spend an hour talking about the first 10 minutes alone uh, as to why it's the best episode ever. Uh, and if there's anybody listening who knows me, they're, they're like Eamon uh, or anybody, they'll just be laughing because I literally have wax lyrical over like three pints talking about this episode. That was on last night. I've seen that episode, I don't know, 500 times, and I sat down and I kind of turned and played at my dinner and went, oh, lovely. And watched my favorite episode of The Simpsons in the same way that you put on your favorite hoodie on a sick day. You're like, oh, happy now. Like when I turn on The Simpsons and I see the 4 3 aspect ratio and I see the black bars on the side, that's my happy place. So, yeah, I do watch The Simpsons regularly. New episodes, yeah, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's the thing. I think great show. We all love it, but we think of watching it during the 90s. But how many of us actually have really been entertained by the shows over the last number of years? Lisa, anyways, uh, out of 10 for Disenchantment on Netflix. That would be a very generous 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10. Excellent. Yeah. And Dave? Uh, I kind of gave it a 6 because uh, I remember the first two seasons were great and I enjoyed them and I probably would have given it 7 maybe. But I watched the latest one last night and it was like, damn squib. Oh, what am I watching this stuff for? And maybe I've just been hanging around with Lisa Tracy too long and I said, no, give it a 6. <laughs> Well, we have two other pieces to review on this episode. One, a movie, one, a TV show. And we agreed recently, Lisa, Dave and myself, that they would send the scores in advance so everything would be above board and there'd be no manipulation or thinking one way or another after hearing another person's review. And I can tell you, one of the pieces that we were going to review, the scores are fairly similar there's another one where they're vastly different. <laughs> so it should make for quite an interesting discussion. Let's move on to news of the world on Netflix at the moment. And it's the latest movie from Tom Hanks, who I think makes about five movies every month. So news of the world is the latest one. Very interesting premise. I don't know is it based on a true story, but it's kind of plausible, I guess. Uh, Dave, do you want to tell our listeners about news of the world? Yeah, so it's set, you know, post-Civil War America. Tom Hanks plays his character, Captain Kidd. He's a former um, Confederate uh, Army officer, so the South, basically. And um, I think his wife is dead and he's a bit lonely or whatever. And he's he makes a living uh, traveling around in his wagon, um, um, reading the news to people who, A, possibly can't read, and who, B, don't have access to newspapers. So he literally has a rolled-up bunch of newspapers. He goes in. He reads the news in this fabulous, inimitable Tom Hanks way, and that's his job. That's what he makes his money, and they put a dime in the bucket, and he makes his living. And he travels around these western towns, and he's not a violent man. He doesn't carry guns. He has a shotgun, but it only has, like, a bird shot in it, which is not really deadly to humans. doesn't carry a pistol, and he's kind of he's kind of a nice guy. You know, I wonder why they, they typecast Tom Hanks in that, you might say. But um, that's him. But... Uh, anyway, long story short, it's post-Civil War, so there's still a lot of tension in the South um, after the emancipation of um, the African-Americans. And 
he finds this girl who is obviously not Indian or African-American. She's she's pale, white, blonde haired, blue eyed girl. And she's German, as it turns out. And he finds her. She but she is a savage. She has been brought up by the Indians or the Native Americans, as we should correctly call them. Uh, she doesn't speak English. She speaks Native Indian, Native American tongue, whatever the particular dialect is. And he his kindness kind of kicks in and he takes her under his wing and he tries to get the authorities to help him reunite her with her parents or her family who, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they go on this quest. He's trying to find, bring her back to her family and reunite her with her aunt and uncle and stuff like that. But uh, things, they, they kind of go through these episodic pieces of peril uh, and, and it goes from there. Lisa, did you feel you were back in the big bad south in the 1800s watching News of the World? No, I felt like I was in Australia because, spoiler alert, it's filmed there. <laughs> no, right. no, I did. I, it was very well, very well put together. You do feel like you're in the south. You feel like everyone is out to shoot you at some point. But uh, that's about all this has going for it. It's got a very good... Um, production design all that going for it locations everything but when it comes to the story and the delivery and what one would expect from a paul greengrass director of all the born movies you thought this was going to be exciting and edge of your seat western sort of thing even though westerns are never really edge of your seat but they can be but this was so slow paced and so so boring that i was like I just couldn't wait for it to end. I'm sorry. I, just, I was I was actually mad at the end of it. I was like, oh, could this just end at some point? But it's just it's not a it's not a good film. Like it's 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 no fun. It's no crack. It's not exciting. It's it's just slow. It's just very very slow. And uh, there was only one exciting bit, and that's the bit with the where there's a bit of a shootout situation, and that's about all as the excitement got. But I didn't care for the child. I think that was the problem. She just wasn't likable, and I was like, oh, mm. I just just leave her. Just just she's annoying. Get rid of her. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm too mean today. Yeah. I'm sorry. O- only Tom Hanks. Only Tom Hanks would try and reunite her with her family. The rest of us would just kick her off the wagon and yeah. carry on to San Antonio or whatever. <laughs> um, but what I found about the movie was I I, I could feel I, I I don't know for me of all the westerns I really felt like it was so authentic and I suppose with the slowness and the slowness of life there and just this ugliness in the air all the time and not really feeling safe or trusting anyone and knowing that there was elements from all sides coming at you more than any other western. I really felt it with this movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, <clears throat> the production design in this thing is second to none. I mean, they probably had to shoot in Australia because Australia is one of the last places on earth that has big wide open spaces without highways going through it and SUVs and petrol stations with slushies and stuff. But the production design is amazing. The The mundanity and peril of, you know, post-Civil post, post Civil War America was captured very well in this. Like every single person that they meet along the way, you're just thinking, oh, this guy, this guy or this person is bad and dangerous and they're going to kill them. And you know what I mean? It's very good in that sense. Uh, But I kind of agree with Lisa. It's the story, the motivation, the plot line is a bit, bit of a damn squib. Like it doesn't actually deliver in terms of peril or interest or intrigue or the, the perilous situations as Lisa alluded to the little, the little gunfight. 
it it, it almost felt out of place this gunfight like uh, all of a sudden these dudes are you know they want to buy this young girl from Tom Hanks to uh, you know use her as a sex slave or God knows what and uh, Tom Hanks says no and they they just all of a sudden get a set on him the police come or the the the, the soldiers. Uh, uh, come along and and arrest these guys, but don't arrest them if you know what I mean. And the next thing, they're being chased across the the plains, and then they get to an outcropping, and then there's a gunfight. It was kind of tacked on, you know. There's no real thread throughout this film. Um, but for me, one of the bits that redeemed this film, I kind of felt like the same as Lisa. I was like, okay, this is dragging on a bit. I'm not really motivated, and. I wouldn't go as far as Lisa saying, you know, get rid of this kid. She's annoying. I mean, the kid ha- was the kid was abducted by Indians, so she is a savage. She was ad- abducted at the age of whatever two or three, and she was taught their language. And she's, you know, she's completely out of place, and her parents were killed. So give her a break, Lisa. Will you? No. But you know, she she is this savage. She's a savage girl. If you can imagine, like Tarzan as a ten year old boy having been in the jungle for five years, it's the same kind of concept. So. Tom Hanks's heart, as usual, is bigger than everybody else's, and he does the right thing. But um, she is she's she portrayed very very well uh, by this young actress Helena Zengel, who is going to be mark my words, you will see this girl again. Her performance is excellent. I mean, Lisa alluded to like this child is very annoying and she's savage and she's lunatic and she's blah blah blah, very damaged human being. But her performance on screen is amazing. What age is she like? 13, 12 or 13, this girl. Mm. Uh, striking looking, uh, blonde, blue eyed girl, great little actress. But for me, the redeeming, I was the same as Lisa. I was like, okay, this film is a bit meh. And then they get to the aunt and uncle and they're not really delighted to see her. And they're like, oh, look, we'll see what we can do with her. And Tom Hanks wanders off and then he has a crisis of conscience and he goes back to her and they, he finds her tied up in the yard like a rabid dog. And he kind of says, look, I'll take her. And they're like, yeah, okay, we don't care. And then the girl kind of has an emotional, this is her first human emotional moment. And she hugs him and they hug. And it's it's not weird. It's nice. It's like they have a bond now after the adventures they've been on. And then it cuts to six months later or two years later or whatever. And he's back at the top of his game as where his lowly game of reading the newspaper. And she is a different woman. She's a different girl. She's sitting in the corner triumphantly smiling. It's the first time she actually smiles in the whole movie. And she's got a beautiful smile, this girl, and she's smiling and she's got a modern of the time dress on rather than rags. And, you know, she's been civilized and she's found her place in the world again after the trauma of her life. And that scene at the end, I thought I was welling up. I was like, oh, this is a great scene. So it did. It was very, very flat. And then it had a big spike, like a coronavirus numbers at the peak of the pandemic. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is good. So it got me at the end, I think. But we all knew what the ending was going to be. It's just it was half an hour probably dragged out till we got there. Like we all yeah, knew when true, he was leaving yeah. the uncle and aunt, he was going to be back on the horse again, heading back. <laughs> yeah, that's I, true. I, no, we I, did. But but we all knew the Titanic was going to sink as well, Gary, you know, but we all went to the movie like five times. I just felt that we've seen this movie so often. That was the disappointing thing for me. That it wasn't. There wasn't anything really new in it, bar the fact that I felt that it was one of the better Westerns made in the sense of you really felt you were there. That's true, yeah. But you're right. There wasn't, there was nothing new. There was nothing surprising, nothing shocking. 
I mean, if you think of the great westerns, you know, um, the spaghetti westerns, the good, the bad, and the ugly, fistful of dollars uh, for a few dollars more, etc. Um, Once upon a time in the West, in the West. Uh, Unforgiven. These westerns had something new. They had classic western tropes of the gunslinger and the gunfights and the tension and their and the close up of the eyes and the close up of the fingers twitching over the trigger figure. All that. This guy, this film has none of that. This film is very much a a buddy film, uh, a, a road trip movie. Um, I did, I have to say, I did like the mundanity of just out of the blue, they happen to be going down a hill and the bad wheel on his on his uh, cart goes skiaways on them and they have a big e- incident. Like it was kind of nonsense, but at the same time it was real, as you said, Gary. It's very authentic. So Lisa, out of 10 for News of the World. I'm going to be very honest and say a four out of 10. Oh, Lisa. Sorry. They don't pay me enough. <laughs> <laughs> Dave? Uh, I think I gave it a six, I think. You yeah. you, you had the scores, weren't you? I think yeah. I said six. Very I mean, I, I was kind of going for a five, and then I, honestly, the last scene redeemed it for me. It was like, it was triumphant, and it was well shot and well produced, the last scene. Like, it was a different kind of scene, so I'm going to give it a six. I enjoyed it, to a point. Excellent. So there you go. That is News of the World on Netflix at the moment. And finally, making its way to Orti is All Creatures Great and Small. Hadn't heard of it, didn't know anything about it, but Dave has his ear to the ground and he recommended this fascinating TV series to us. Lisa, for a change, why don't you tell us what All Creatures Great and Small is about and how much <laughs> it captivated you? Sorry. <laughs> Okay, so All Creatures Great and Small is set in England, in the north of England. And it's set in, I want to say, like the 1940s, 50s, it could be even be the 30s. 37. Oh, is it 37? Anyway, it's about a guy who goes from Glasgow to somewhere in Yorkshire, and he he's a vet, and he gets called down, and he gets to be a vet with another vet. And it's set in a village, and it's about animals and cavern and all that that goes with that and i have no interest in this i think it is the worst thing that's ever been made i hate vets shows i hate anything to do with animals unless they're like dogs and i like dogs but anything else i'm like no but it's just schlock because it's a remake of that tv series from the 80s that was so boring and then you have this heartbeat with animals. That's what I describe it as. It's heartbeat. You know that TV series about police in the Dales back in the day in the nineties. Yeah. It's that with animals. That's all it is. It's it's boring. It's Yorkshire. It's brown, eh, and there's calves. That's all. That was a very neutral uh, summary, wasn't it? Like, there's no intimation as to how she feels about it all. Lisa, could you please give us a summary of what this thing is about? I bloody hated it. It's crap. I hated it. It's crap. I hated it. And it's crap. I, but it was something to do with vets. And I hate vets. It's crap. What an amazing... Now you can see why I do the summaries in this show, people. Because she cannot hold herself back. She hasn't got the ability to put the bit between her teeth and go, Whoa there, Nelly. Dave, give us your short version of all creatures great and small we've only seen an episode so far because that's all that's been broadcast well it's it's the main character is this fellow called james harriet right and he was he was a real person and he wrote the he wrote a book about his life uh pre-world war ii in the depression in england and he couldn't get a job and he his parents sacrificed to get him uh, to go to veterinary school 
And eventually he got this job up in Yorkshire in the Dales. And uh, it's a story of his life. And he he was a fish out of water. He was a city boy up in the city in the Dales. And a lot of the stories about, you know, um, a lot of the tropes are in the three, the three versions of this story. And I've seen them all. Uh, obviously, I've only seen one episode, the new version. But um, he, you know, even like he goes for an interview and he gets literally thrown in at the deep end. He's wearing he's wearing a suit and shoes for the interview, but he ends up like covered in muck in a field uh, with a horse. You know what I mean? Uh, because this guy Siegfried is the vet that he's like, look, I need an assistant. Come on. And he's very curt with him. Um, but James Harriet wrote this book. And obviously this was a big hit. Um in 78 79 and then into the 80s and this show ran for 10 years i know lisa hates it we we've established that but a lot of people didn't because it ran for 10 years and i remember it as a kid and i i liked it because i like animals and i'm not a cold-hearted person like some people. <laughs> and um and the, the the tv show that everybody remembers is um, christopher timothy and robert hardy as the two main vets um robert hardy plays a siegfried who's the bullish guy and T- christopher timothy plays james harriet and it's a nice, it is, she describes it well. It's like Heartbeat with animals. And I'm not a big fan of Heartbeat, but I know a lot of people who love Heartbeat. So, you know. Did you like this because of the nostalgia of watching the the other version of the show when you were younger? Because in fairness, your synopsis is, was better than the show. <laughs> well, that's a matter of opinion. I mean, I I like, I liked, I liked the original movie. People forget that there was a movie first. Uh, let me just tell you, the movie was made in 1975 and Siegfried, who is the vet, was played by Anthony Hopkins. So that and I've watched that movie and it's a, I enjoy that movie because it's a good movie. Um, and then, this, the, you know, it spawned a TV. It was one of the first movies in British history to spawn a, a long running TV show. Um, but, yeah, I enjoy I, I like animals. You know, you all know I have two dogs. I like animals. I like vets. Uh, they're nice people, and I do like the t- I do like the tweeness of the show. Um, but I did I was skeptical when I saw this. I was like, oh, I, there was a bit of nostalgia, like anti nostalgia. I was like, oh, they're remaking all creatures getting small. Oh, I don't know, you know. And then I saw it, and I said, hey, let's review this. It's new, and I was skeptical. I sat down, going, okay, this is going to be terrible. I was like, nah. But I enjoyed it. I have to say, I enjoyed it. Uh, there's parts of the show that really appeal to me. Um, I like all the old cars. I like the simple storytelling. I like the cinematography is nice and simple and straightforward. And it's, um, yeah, I liked it. You sure did. Because, um, Lisa, what did you give this? I give this a four out of ten, which it, I thought was being indeed. generous. Whereas Dave gave it, I think, the same score as the Joker. What did you <gasps> give it, Dave? <laughs> I gave it a nine out of ten. Ooh. <laughs> How? How? Because oh. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Oh, no. I, I'm lost for words. I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I like I would really value your opinion when it comes to something. But this, I just... Oh. It's maybe, really maybe well just... made. It's really well made. The actors are really good. The production design is really good. The cinematography, the screen geography, the storytelling is simple. It's really, really good. The, the the thing that you guys have a problem with, obviously, is the vets in Yorkshire. I don't like that thing. But I, no, if you I look at it as a story. piece of entertainment, it's really, really well done. And it sets up, it's only one episode, and it sets up the premise of this grumpy old vet who's played really well by, I can't think of the guy's name, and this new up-and-coming actor, again, can't think of his name, mm-hmm. um, 
the, the character definitions were really, really good. I it, grumpy I really old vet is Prunella Scales' son. That's uh, yeah. it's Timothy. Oh, wow. Th- what's his name? Timothy Thingamajig's son as well. Uh, I can't remember him, but I just I just know that's who he is. He's in uh, low- Samuel West is Siegfried Farnan, and Nicholas Timothy Ralph West. plays James Harriet. And um, well, my wife's know. convinced that it's Mo Dunford playing Siegfried. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not. But it's look at I, I enjoyed it, and and uh, uh, we, we I, I'm I'm not going to apologize for that fact. And if you're going to fire me off this podcast, I can take it, baby. My opinion is mine. <laughs> I, I suppose if I think of the the pilot for the likes of Sopranos or Boardwalk Empire, which I know is on a different league, but at the same time, they'd be a 9 out of 10, if not a 10 out of 10 for me. Mm. They were so complex, the storylines, and the characters were just so fascinating. Whereas I didn't really find it with All Creatures Great and Small. I was maybe interested in the, the lead guy, James, but mm. that was it. The others just... They didn't have any depth for me. Yeah, but honestly, it this is almost like a you got to think of the demographic of this now. Um, like it's 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 on a half six on a Sunday evening. Like it's replacing what's the show? It's replacing Ireland's fittest family is what it's replacing. You know, harsh drawn country people who like to sit down and watch people run around in veals, whether they're in lycra or whether they're in tweed. That's your market. And that's the time slot and the demographic that RTE are putting this into. And I guarantee this show will appear on BBC or ITV very, very shortly. And it will be aimed at the same people who watch Emmerdale all day long, every day of the week. Now, I don't watch Emmerdale and I don't watch soap operas, but this is like a soap opera. It's a soap opera on a bigger budget with less episodes and the character, the, the level of production, the level of acting is on a higher level. And I personally thought it was very, very good. I enjoyed it. OK, so I expect you'll be watching it again on Sunday. Oh, I will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it for this episode of Just Like in the Movies. Before we call it a show, an episode, should we all just agree here and now that we're going to look at Coming to America 2 on Amazon Prime and review it next week? Oh, there's no doubt about that. And it'll be very fascinating because Coming to America, the original one, is very, very close to my heart. So if Eddie Murphy comes up and butchers it for a paycheck, I will butcher coming to America too, very happily here. On the flip side of that, if he does an amazing job, I will be waxing lyrical about it. Fingers crossed we leave out the child of Prague. <laughs> Lisa and Dave, thank you very much. We'll you talk to you again next week. Pleasure Bye-bye. as always.